I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Before we get started, I want to reflect and take a moment to thank all of you who've been listening to the podcast this year. I really appreciate the support from all of you, and I hope you're enjoying the content as much as I am enjoying putting it out. I wasn't really sure how this was going to go, and at many times I did consider scrapping it all together, but I truly believe that this is something I was meant to do, and many of you have sent me such kind words along the way, and have really, truly helped me spread the word about this on social media, which is such a huge, huge blessing to me. So thanks again. Also, if you haven't already, I'd love if you would go check out and subscribe to my YouTube page at Conspiracy Kyle. I've started to create visuals to go along with my podcast episodes, starting from my very first episode called Titanican, which talks about J.P. Morgan Chase and the conspiracy about him with the Titanic, and also Anakin uh, killing all the Separatist leaders at the end of Revenge of the Sith and some parallels between. So if you haven't listened to the to that episode in the first few episodes, go ahead and check out the YouTube versions. I, I do think at times that these visuals that I added in help convey the stories greater than the audio-only format can. I'll post a link in the show notes for this episode. Finally, Merry Christmas to you all, a Happy New Year to you all, and may the Force be with you. Thanks again. Now on to the show. Episode 36, Transhuman-Cyborg Relations. He's more machine now than man. These words from Obi-Wan Kenobi about Anakin Skywalker, aka Darth Vader, are a fitting summary of the goal of the transhumanist agenda, human integration with machine. Even if you aren't familiar with the term transhumanism, you've surely seen it on screen in some of the biggest films of all time. Some examples, Robocop. A cop is nearly killed and given a robotic body to inhabit, much like the origin of Darth Vader. Iron Man. While technically considered a superhero, Iron Man is really a scientific marvel, (coughs) pardon the pun, in that Tony Stark created a robotic suit with enormous capabilities to perform superhuman feats. The Terminator, which features a human cyborg assassin person. And Blade Runner, where the line between human and robot slash cyborg is so blurred that these robots think they're humans even when they're not. 
There are many other examples of other shows and movies that we don't have the time to get into right now. Also, it does seem like these types of movies and shows are being rolled out with greater frequency in recent years, and I believe that is by design. The term transhumanism, per the Encyclopedia Britannica, is the, quote, social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust human enhancement technologies. Such technologies would augment or increase human sensory perception, emotive ability, or cognitive capacity, as well as radically improve human health and extend human lifespans. Such modifications resulting from the addition of biological or physical technologies would be more or less permanent and integrated into the human body. That sounds terrifying to me. One part of that definition that I think is interesting is regarding extending human lifespans. One example of this, as the definition mentioned and the movies mentioned before, it's truly a physical augmentation of the human body to fight off diseases, stay healthier, stay alive, etc. But there is one other way that the transhumanist agenda could extend life even after death in a non-physical way. In the 2016 movie Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, the tale is told of how the Rebel Alliance achieved their first major victory against the Galactic Empire by stealing the plans to the Death Star that eventually leads to Luke Skywalker's famous trench run and destruction of the space station in the original Star Wars movie. Rogue One also included some truly technological marvels in that it brought back two characters from the original trilogy in their exact likeness from the original trilogy, Princess Leia and Grand Moff Tarkin. The company Industrial Light and Magic, which is the special effects arm of Lucasfilm, which came about during the creation of the special effects for the original trilogy, was employed to digitally recreate the faces and mannerisms for these characters in key scenes throughout the film. Stand-in actors did the walking and arm movements, but the rest was pure movie magic, as they say. For those like me who knew all about the ins and outs of this happening in the movie before it even came out, when these characters showed up on screen, it really wasn't a surprise to me. But for casual moviegoers, they may not have thought anything of it, because it seemed to be pretty well done in my opinion. Well, at least the Tarkin one. The Princess Leia one, not so much. You see this same type of CGI work in the Rise of Skywalker film, the last film in the new sequel trilogy where Princess Leia was again brought back for a momentary scene along with Luke Skywalker, both in their primes, you know, immediately following Return of the Jedi. And then again, in the most recent Mandalorian episode, Chapter 16, it's employed yet again. I'll save the reveal for that if you haven't seen the episode, but it's pretty great. Some have argued that this type of CGI does look terrible in that it really needs some work. And also, why couldn't they just hire lookalikes to play these roles? Why do they have to go so extreme with this kind of technology? The uses of, of CGI like Star Wars did does bring to mind some ethical dilemmas. For one, Grand Moff Tarkin actor Peter Cushing died in 1994. So they quite literally raised him from the dead for a new movie role. 
Well, true, his estate did sign off on the deal, and I'm sure there was a monetary compensation of some sort. The question remains, is this appropriate? Is this necessary? Are we going to continue to see more of this in the future? And also, are movie studios just doing this purely for financial gain, or are they doing it as a tribute to these fallen actors? Also, how far do you think this is going to go? People have theorized that in the future, we could possibly even see entire movies comprised with only these truly lifelike, realistic characters with familiar faces. You kind of already see this happening in most of the modern video games, where actors have given their likeness to a video game character, and if you watch any of the cutscenes in between the action, it almost does look like a, a movie. So, if this trend does continue, what will this do for the acting industry? Will it make actors obsolete, like robotics have done to so many other industries? <laughs> you know, some in the conspiracy world would probably argue that actors being out of a job necessarily isn't a bad thing. You know, you could say that some, if not most, of the actors out there are terrible people pushing, you know, far, way far left agendas and are largely out of touch with the reality, so why do they deserve more money? Have it be done through a computer. And you could even say that, shoot, wouldn't it be really cool to see movies with actors that are dead and are well past their prime? I mean, who wouldn't want to see another Star Wars trilogy that takes place right after the original trilogy with those key cast members still in their prime? I mean, for my money, I'd take that over the sequel trilogy any day of the week. Or you could even go as far as, you know, a new movie with a young John Wayne and a young Clint Eastwood. Or another great mob movie with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. But I think the consequences of this type of technology are not to be taken lightly. What happens if this technology translates into real life and not just movies? Could our own likeness be extracted from us? Could we be talking, interacting with people that are not really people? Could we be clinically dead but being kept alive through machines to do their bidding? I think we can all agree that technology can make our life easier and can help us work smarter and more efficiently and also allow us to communicate faster with each other by using many different methods. But once that technology wants to become a part of our physical being, that's where we should draw the line. Because machines and computers have no soul and no empathy, but humans do. Well. At least some of us, that is. Let's try to hold on to that as long as we can. I'm Conspiracy Kyle, and may the Force be with you. Always. <laughs>